Hey, welcome to Optimize Your Body with Martin Silva, where we talk raw, uncut facts to truly help you optimize your body. Hey folks, so is too much stress making us fat and sick? As blunt as that sounds, there's a lot of studies to show the correlation between high levels of stress and obesity. Now, obviously, the current situation we're facing now, we're most likely a lot more stressed than usual. So I feel like this podcast is appropriate because I'm going to talk to you about the food choices we make and how we can you know, mitigate the damage in this situation, so to speak. So it's very easy right now, as I said, because you know to overeat and overconsume alcohol. In fact, it seems that well, in America, anyway, I think it's pretty much the same in Australia for sure as well. In America, the alcohol usage has gone up by about 48%, which is huge, right? So it just goes to show that we're in a situation of stress. When we're stressed, we tend to comfort eat. We tend to medicate with alcohol, drugs, wherever it is, a bit more often. You know, it makes sense. So there's a link between, you know, substance abuse and stress. Now, not all stress is the same, though. So not all stress is treated equally. There's lots of different levels of stress. And stress is actually a good thing. So there's a process known as uh, hormesis or hormetic stresses, which is what we've evolved with over time. And it's made us more resilient. And these stresses are actually really good for us in, in small doses or low-dose stimulation, as they call it. So, for example, diet, dietary restriction. So we know that when you cut back on calories um, and you, you tend to, or calorie restriction, whatever you want to call it, cut back on calories, you create a calorie deficit. Effectively, that is a stress on the body, but done appropriately. Obviously, if you're in a huge calorie deficit or if you've been dumped on a desert island and you're malnourished and starved, that's a little bit different. But just a mild dietary stress can actually be good, which is why they use calorie restriction and different forms of fasting on cancer patients, for example. Now, for certain types of cancer anyway, and especially when the cancer patient goes through certain forms of chemotherapy, they use sometimes 72-hour fasts to starve the cancer cells uh, because there's other amazing effects which come out of fasting as well, such as you know stem cell production and neurogenesis and um, the immune system, which I think is the main one for calorie restriction and fasting for for cancer patients because it's a a process known as autophagy when you starve the body, uh, especially when you do longer fasts. Within reason, obviously, there's a lot of different factors here, but the uh, immune system wipes out old, dead immune cells and replaces them with new ones, which is probably one of the reasons why they prescribe this to to cancer patients, but that is a stress on the body, you know, um, calorie restriction, but it's a good stress and the body will respond again, if it's done appropriately and properly and you're restricting or just cutting back on food and making healthier choices. So you're losing weight. If if you're overweight and you want to lose body fat or lose weight, it's obviously essential for you to be in a calorie deficit, but also they use calorie restriction for stroke patients, coronary heart disease, autoimmune disease. And this is known as hormesis. So it is a a type of stress. But obviously, as I said, it can be beneficial. And the same goes for like lifting weights, for example. When you lift weights, the actual process of resistance training or lifting weights is actually not good for you. You're breaking down muscle. 
you're stressing out the bones, you're stressing out the joints, you're tearing muscle tissue apart. So the actual process itself is damage. It's not good for you, but it's the way your body responds to these stresses that makes it healthy and really benefits your health. For example, with strength training, you're going to you know, you're going to apply an insult to your muscles, joints, and connective tissue, but then they're going to grow back stronger. You're going to build muscle. You're going to increase your bone density. You're going to, you know, improve your heart strength and half heart functioning in general. As I said, bone density, you know, hormones. I could talk forever about that, and I've done podcasts on that, but that's just another example of a form of homesis or hermetic stress where it's your body responding in a way which is favorable for your health, essentially, and and longevity. And the same goes for other, you know, ancient cultures have been doing things like this. And, you know, just to to date back a bit to when we were hunter-gatherers, we would have gone days without food sometimes because we wouldn't have food available. So the body has adapted for a long time to these stresses, and the same goes for things like cold showers and cold water amuse, immersion, sorry, immersion and saunas. So, so you know, in parts of Scandinavia, for example, this is commonplace and they've been doing it for hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years, where they'll have a sauna for, say, 15 minutes and then they'll plunge into the freezing cold waters up in, the, uh, up in those cold regions and they'll repeat that, say, three or four times. And studies have shown that they have Generally, they're healthier. They have lots of more uh, improved health markers than people in other parts of the world. Uh, Certain genes which are responsible for longevity, they seem to have more of those genes. So it just goes to show, I have cold showers every day, as I've told you before, and the benefits I've had from that are my immune system is much stronger. Immune system is, I just don't touch wood. I shouldn't be saying this in this time we're at now with the coronavirus, but I very rarely, I mean, I used to really get ill anyway, ill anyway prior to having cold showers. But nowadays, you know, the, what it's done for my immune system is phenomenal because I never even get, generally even get the common cold anymore. And I've just noticed I'm very in tune with my body. And that's, I'm just giving you examples of these types of hormetic stresses, which are good. So I just wanted to say a certain amounts of stress are really, really important. And the same goes for your brain as well. You know, you're not going to, for example, grow a business or you're not going to work on your personal development or, you know, work on your self-awareness without learning from certain things which cause stress. You know, stress and rest equals growth, whether that's your muscles, whether that's your brain. So just remember that stress plus rest equals growth. And I stole that one out of... uh, Jamie Oliverton's book. I'm not going to lie. Jamie Oliverton's book, a little plug here. It's called Meltdown. I had Jamie on my podcast recently, but that's just an example. Stress is essential, but we have not evolved on the flip side. We haven't evolved with a type of stress where it's constant like it is in this day and age. You know, modern day humans, we're faced with a lot more stress. It might not be stress at a high level like it was when we were hunter-gatherers, we actually evolved, you know, say 50 to 70,000 years ago, where we would uh, experience extreme levels of stress. We get a rush of the stress hormones like norepinephrine and cortisol, which would put us into that fight or flight state if there was a tiger about to attack us, for example. And we would either survive or we'd get eaten by the tiger. It's as simple as that. And that's how we evolved back in the day, and that's how we were programmed. Up until now, humans, and obviously we adapted to that 
hunter gatherers adapted to that and survived and 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 we wouldn't be here without that adaptation and the body humans um or the body is an adaptation machine i've said this before but the body will adapt to pretty much anything you throw at it and it's not always going to adapt in a good way um but it'll do its best to survive right and, and fast forward into this day and age, now we are faced with this continuous, more of a low to moderate level of stress where we're sat down for too long. This is, uh, you know, sitting is known as the, the new smoking now because of the damage it does to us when we're sat down for prolonged periods, not just to our body, but to our mental health. And we're now having to adapt to this. We're adapting to being sat or, or rounded in front of a computer or slouched over an iPhone or a tablet for hours and hours on ends. And this is not good for the body. And this is a level of stress. And then another example of a moderate level of stress is when we are driving, for example, even just driving your car. Obviously, that's not going to be the case now. I'm probably driving a lot less with the current situation we're in. But when you're driving, that's another level. That's another um, example of stress. You know, alcohol, smoking, all of these things, well, actually, they're more extreme stresses, but especially smoking. But it's just an example of these types of stresses now we're faced with, and we're, and, and, the, and we're trying to adapt to that now. And the, the problem is now, obviously, there's a big link, like I said, to uh, between, between stress, high levels of stress, and certain stress hormones like cortisol and obesity. And we're facing an obesity epidemic. We're facing a mental, also facing a mental health epidemic where the suicide rate is higher than it's ever been. We're also facing an epidemic of sickness, and we're sicker than we've ever been. So essentially, we're fatter and sicker than we've ever been, as grim as that sounds, right? And, and the, the, the modern-day stresses we're facing are playing a huge part in that. So let's talk a bit more about the science behind it. So right now, we're facing a time where we're working from home, and we've got even more food, in case we didn't have more food available to us, uh, in case we didn't have enough food available to us, should I say that uh, before this crisis, now we're faced with the fact that we're next to our fridge all day. We're getting bored. We're getting more stressed potentially because of the situation. A lot of us are more stressed anyway. So then, you know, like I said, people are turning to alcohol more than usual now. And, you know, stressed people tend to sleep less. They tend to exercise less, tend to drink more alcohol. Uh, and all all of this can can lead to weight gain, and it can essentially make us fatter, right? So, let's talk about the like I said about the science and the hormones which cause this. Now, cortisol is one of the main stress hormones, and studies do show that there's a big link between uh, elevated cortisol levels and obesity or or weight gain, especially around the midsection, around the abdomen. Is a, it's, it's very interesting, actually, especially with women. It does happen with guys as well, and there's studies to show this with guys. But with women, um, more so, they tend to store if high levels of cortisol related to uh, high levels of body fat around the midsection and around the internal organs. Same with guys, like I said, but the main studies I've looked at, uh, the main study I looked at was done on women. So high levels of cortisol, generally means more body body fat around the abdomen and around the organs which is the worst place really you want to you know you want to have body fat for obvious reasons because the internal organs are essential for survival right so all that being said you know we certain hormones are put out of whack when we have high levels of stress like cortisol 
we tend to release other hormones and it puts other hormones out of balance. Now, insulin levels generally are going to be high when we are making not necessarily poor, yeah, when we're making poorer choices and we're eating more regular, we're eating more sugar, generally our insulin levels are going to be higher, which um, obviously insulin is released from the pancreas and regulates our blood sugar levels. And when we consume sugar, effectively insulin wipes the sugar out of the blood, or that's the job of insulin anyway. But when we've got high cortisol and high insulin in the blood, uh, this is linked to weight gain. And there's another important hormone as well, and studies have shown this, uh, there's a lot more studies on cortisol and insulin with uh, weight gain, but uh, it's kind of common sense, really. If you've got higher insulin levels, generally uh, you, you're going to be you're going to be eating more. Basically, you, you're generally eating more sugar, uh, or you're overweight. Really, I mean, there's a lot more other factors which come into it, um, but there's another hormone called ghrelin. Now, ghrelin is known as the hunger hormone, so the stomach or the gut releases ghrelin. And it sends a signal to our brain telling us it's time to eat. And as I said, it's the hunger hormone. Now, ghrelin levels increase when we're more stressed as well. So we tend to make poorer choices with our food. Now, um, and obviously alcohol as well. Now now we're tending to drink more as well. Alcohol inhibits our um, choices or inhibits our, um, should I say, it's, uh, we kind of lose our inhibitions is what I'm trying to say when we drink more alcohol. And we all know, I can definitely attest to this. When I drink alcohol, I tend to make poorer choices with food and uh, I crave certain foods. And I'm sure a lot of you can uh, can identify with that. So that's another thing to pay, to pay attention to here as well. Like drinking alcohol is obviously going to uh, affect our food choices, right? But generally, what I'm trying to say here is I guess the overarching uh, point here is the choices we make when we have uh, high levels of stress are not going to be ideal with food and the, the time we're facing now, we've got more food available to us. We've got the fridge right next to us. We're eating out of boredom. We're comfort eating. And it's, uh, it's just interesting how some of the research, let's talk about some of the research and studies because I can talk about my experience and my experience with, with clients. Uh, and what I do notice is unless I put things in place to manage my stress or for my clients to manage their stress, it can be, you know, we can have detrimental results because like I said, we tend to turn to things like alcohol, sometimes even drugs um, and food to escape. It's a form of, of escapism. It helps us escape from that stress. Now, research does suggest, which is quite interesting, the gender difference in stress coping behavior with women being more likely to turn to food and men to alcohol and smoking. Actually, there was a Finnish study done that included over 5,000 men and women, and it showed that obesity was associated with stress-related eating in women, but not men, which, I mean, it's not really that shocking. I guess a lot of us tend to, we, we, we tend to know this and, and identify with this, that it's, it just, I don't know where this came from, but it seems like women. I don't think this is personally, based on my experience, I think men are just the same in this sense. But for some reason, I think women, maybe they tend to crave more chocolate or whatever it is, based on my experience anyway, having coached as a personal trainer, predominantly women, although online I train I train more men, I would say. Um, I've noticed women tend to just crave sweeter stuff, maybe more chocolate and, and stuff like that. But look, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent there. It's probably not that, that relevant. But the Finnish study showed that 
generally women showed. Uh, it, it was more of a link between obesity and stress-related eating in women, but not as much with men. But as I said, men generally turn to drugs, alcohol, and smoking a little bit more generally. Now, um, obviously, there's lots of... It's multifactorial. This is going to change in different locations and areas. You know, who knows what's going on in Finland? But it's definitely food for thought. Uh, and also, you know, how much cortisol people produce in response to stress may also factor into the stress weight gain equation. That's what they call it, obviously, um, stress-related weight gain, right? So like I said, all the stuff I talked about, the choices we make when we're stressed uh, tend to not be ideal a lot of the time. Now, in 2007, British researchers designed um, a study, it was actually a genius study, which showed that people who responded to stress with high cortisol, high cortisol levels um, in a, an experimental setting were more likely to, res- to snack in response to daily hassles in their regular lives than low cortisol responders. Now, that's interesting because generally what that is saying is people with high cortisol levels generally, you know, more, you know, because there's other factors as well, like genetics, which you know, make us respond differently to stress. Genetics play a big part in this as well. It's not all just, you know, the choices we make and the the stuff we put in our body, although that is a huge part of it. A lot of it is genetics. People generally respond differently to stress. But what they find is people with with higher cortisol, which as I said, is the main stress hormone, were a lot lot more likely to snack. So they, they turn to food, um, you know, when they have these daily hassles and these these stresses throughout their day, uh, then the low cortisol responders. So people with lower uh, cortisol levels generally tend to snack less. So, you know, all that being said, uh, the simple, once again, overarching point really is higher cortisol, generally, you're going to make poorer choices with food and therefore you're more likely to gain weight. Uh, and actually, there was there's a lot of studies that have been done with um, obesity. So not just in, in normal people, but um, high cortisol levels and um, obesity. So just to just to recap that, what I'm trying to say there is, you know, I'm going to talk a bit more how to uh, about how you know I, I want to solve problems. I'm not here just to give you all the doom and gloom. We want to know how we can manage our stress and habits we can implement to um to make healthier choices and to not gain as much weight and and you know compromise our health especially throughout this tough time so so you know how do we solve stress eating i guess how do we solve it now based on my experience you know i can attest this i'm no different to anyone else um although i would say you know obviously because i've developed my relationship with food over the years and i tend to make uh, different choices now than what I used to. So I, I now eat predominantly whole foods. It's very, very rare now that I eat processed foods, which really is is the game-changing point, really, because I've talk, I don't want to talk about this other study. I seem to mention it on every podcast, but basically you eat whole foods, you tend to eat less. You eat more processed foods, you tend to eat more calories by about 500 calories a day, this specific cross-study uh, demonstrated as well. Now, cross study is when they change the participants over, and the same thing happened. So they, when they, when, I'm not going to go too much into that anyway. But basically, because I eat predominantly whole foods, um, but but the thing is with this as well is, for example, my girlfriend is, makes this amazing, amazing paleo banana bread. If you want the the ingredients, the recipe, just uh, send me a DM on Instagram. It's phenomenal. She made two batches. She made one batch like two weeks ago, which and she added some uh, some maple syrup and some dates to it. 
And just by her adding those two, obviously made it more a lot sweeter. And I was overeating it a lot and, and just eating huge portions of it. And I, I basically, so for the last, say, 10 days, I've been eating it every single evening. And I've been adding, like, again, this is all whole foods, right? But still, it's the combination of fat and sugar, whether it's processed junk food like ice cream or biscuits, or whether it's this paleo bread I'm talking about, it's still that combination of, of carbohydrates and fat. Now, you know, carbohydrates, which uh, come from, you know, bananas and that kind of stuff, which is in the paleo bread, is obviously going to be better than the refined sugars, which you're going to get out of ice cream and biscuits. However, it's still palatable and it still um, makes you want to eat more. So anyway, as I was saying, this first batch, I was eating loads. I just kept I kept on overeating it. And then this, she made another batch, which I was reluctant for her to make, but she made another batch and took away the maple syrup and um, the dates. So it was literally just almond butter, um, what was it? Coconut flour, bananas, but really ripe bananas. So uh, obviously a lot sweeter. And there was just one or two other things, eggs, obviously. And I think that was pretty much it. Um, but what I would do then is I would add uh, ting coconut cream, so a few spoonfuls of that to it, and some peanut butter. So that was just, again, it was just making it even more palatable again, and I kept on eating. So what I'm trying to say is, and I was adding dark chocolate to it, although all that food I mentioned is whole foods, um, I was still overeating it in the evenings because I tend not to eat too much in the day anyway. I, d- I do eat, but um, I don't eat in the mornings. And I eat more in the evenings. So then I justify it. And so although I'm not eating uh, foods, which a lot of you, you know, I'm not saying a lot of you are eating this, but a lot of people, you know, listen to this are like, well, it's normally the processed foods, which we battle with, right? And which I battle with uh, the binge eating in the past. It's the the ice cream. It's the chocolate. It's the uh, cakes. It's the, 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 the savory foods like the crisps and all that kind of stuff and pizzas and those foods which are, which are highly palatable that we tend to battle with. So based on my experience um, with clients as well, when I get them to switch over to to making healthy swaps, so um, as I said, DM me for this recipe because this paleo banana bread is phenomenal and it's all whole foods. There's so many recipes out there now where you can actually swap uh, shitty processed foods for whole food ingredients. And, you know, you're looking at in this banana bread, for example, like five or six ingredients and it tastes incredible. For a lot of people who try it, you might think that it's not sweet enough. So even if you were to add dates and maple syrup, it's still going to be a much healthier choice than what you would have um, when you're having the processed foods, which tend to make you eat more of. Um, don't get me wrong. As I said, you can easily overeat this banana bread, but it's less likely because you're getting more uh, more fiber and you're getting more whole foods in there, which tend to fill you up a bit more. Um, so yeah, and that, that kind of takes me on to my next point, really. It's, um, it's, it's adding, adding volume and adding fiber to your meals and, and studies do show this. And and what I mean by that is, um, is vegetables, for example, you know, vegetables are super, super high in fiber, which, uh, are going to keep you fuller. And in fact, um, high volume foods tend to actually expand, uh, expand your gut, so to speak. Right. So, um, actually stretch your stomach, should I say, which which helps you uh, to be fuller. In fact, studies showed that even, even when people were having a smoothie, they found that those who drank a greater volume smoothie, so like, you know, with more liquid and generally more volume, more fruit or whatever it was, felt fuller and ate 12% less at their next meal. Um, you know, so like I said, an easy way to add volume to your meals is by 
increasing you know the calorie content by having higher higher fiber foods um like vegetables which tend to have a low uh, calorie density so adding those foods really help um and they're going to help you you know decrease your food intake at the next meal as well and studies show this as well because of the effect going back to hormones as well the effect that this this can have on your hormones as well so i know we're talking about um we're talking about stress here right so that is a key way to 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 curb stress eating is just by not not like i've said before not necessarily cutting back on on the shitty foods but but adding those whole foods so adding the volume adding the fruit and veggies to your your daily intake essentially um another good point is to you know is learning how to separate you know hunger from cravings there's a fundamental difference between when you you, you know you're like oh i'm hungry what do i fancy do i fancy uh, mexican food do i fancy a blt sandwich do i fancy p what do i i don't know what to have and then you're scrolling through uber eats you know that one you're on your couch watching netflix scrolling through uber eats and you're like well, that is not hunger, right? That's a craving. So it's a, it's a simple thing, but it's, it's very important to know when you're actually hungry and when you're not. So most of the time it is cravings. And based on my experience with clients, there's a few little tricks there. Um, you know, when you do, we're, we're going to be, you know, these door-to-door companies are going to be getting sales through the roof now, right? At the, the time we're facing right now where we can't actually eat out of restaurants. So if you are going to do it, just be aware of what you're doing, you, you know, and another thing is just to have a, um, excuse me, is to have um, is to have a glass of water as well. Just just down a glass of water, maybe move around a little bit, and and see how you feel. Go for a walk if you can get outside. You know, if you're really trying to to shift body fat and to uh, to stay healthy through these times, and you're finding yourself continuously sat in front of Netflix and um, ordering Uber Eats then, you know, it's going to have to come, come a time where you're going to have to, you know, sit, be more disciplined. You're going to have to go, right, am I hungry? Look, I'm scrolling through. I know it's a craving. I know I'm not hungry. I'm going to get up. I'm going to down a pint of water and I'm going to go out on a 20, 30, 30 minute walk. I'm going to put a great podcast in like Optimize Your Body. And um, I'm just going to, it's a distraction method, right? Which always works a treat with clients as well. It really helps. Um, and another thing is on that topic as well is separating the cravings is, not having the foods in sight. So firstly, the number one barrier is obviously, as we mentioned before, is is not to have them in the house, not buy the foods, the processed food. I know you can easily order foods on Uber Eats now anyway, no problem, but having the foods which are highly palatable, like the cakes, the biscuits, or wherever it is you tend to overeat, uh, not having them in the house, in the house is number one because you can't eat them at all then, creates a massive barrier between you and the food. But another barrier is just by not having them in sight. If you've got them there, say on the table in a bowl, for example, in front of the TV, um, you, you're more likely to overeat them, right? So it's very important that you uh, you create those barriers and you keep those foods well out of sight. And actually, um, st- I'm going to try and bring up this study now. A study a study did show that um, eating in front of the t- I've said this before, eating in front of the TV is a big no-no for me now. I don't do it anymore. Uh, I'm really aware of the fact that I tend to overeat when I'm in front of the TV because it's uh, it's a form of, of, of mindless eating. So you want to try and avoid that when you can anyway. So um, yeah, I'm just trying to find this study now. But, uh, but yeah, eating in front of the TV generally, I can't remember what it was now, but it was, um, I can't seem to find the study, but it was uh, 
people ate quite a lot more. That's why I've got it here now. So for instance, people who are watching television whilst eating their meals ate 36% more pizza and 71% more macaroni and cheese. There's loads of different studies on this um, because it's a form of mindless eating. So this is a big one, right? Um, also, if you're watching, you know, we associate when we go to the cinema, obviously we haven't got that luxury right, right now, but we associate that with eating popcorn and, and eating whatever it is. So the same goes with the TV. We associate it with eating. And they've, what they found is a study showed that participants watching a 60 minute, basically the longer the show, the more food you are likely to eat. So bear that in mind as well. Um, so if you're watching a 60-minute show, for example, they found that people watching a 60-minute show ate 28% more popcorn than those enjoying a 30-minute show. So that's another one to bear in mind, right? If you're going to do it, um, maybe just if you are going to take a hit, just do it when you're watching an episode of a series rather than a full three-hour film, right? Um, but either way, just try and avoid it at all costs. Um, yeah, and another thing is when I eat... You know, I used to go on my phone when I was here. This is a big one now. This is a big one. Try and, if you can do this habit, it takes a bit of discipline, right? But when was the last time you ate a meal without going on your phone? Be present when you eat. This is so transformative in terms of your relationship with food and the amount of calories you eat and actually stopping stopping the fat and the weight gain is being more present when you eat. Unplugging while you eat. So I listen to a podcast. That's uh, That's mandatory for me. So that is my little thing. I do listen to a podcast when I'm eating, as I do with most things I'm doing when I'm walking around or whatever. So by all means, listen to a podcast, but don't go on your phone when you're eating. Um, it's really not ideal. Um, you're not paying attention to what you're doing when you're eating uh, or even going on your computer as well, whatever it is. And as it, like I said, the TV is a big no-no. Um, but yeah, just don't go on your phone when you're eating because it's, um, you're not being present. You're not, you know, you, you want to be focusing on the textures and the flavors of the food and, you know, eating mind, eating mindlessly, um, sorry, eating more mindfully. So if you're just mindlessly looking, scrolling through your phone on social media or whatever, you're not paying attention to, to the food and you're not being mindful and you're definitely more likely to, to, to not, not so much, well, you are more likely to overeat. But it's not good for digestion. It's just not good for health. You know, um, saliva and chewing your food is a huge part of digestion. So paying attention to that and trying to eat slower as well, which is something I've been doing over the last year or so, trying to eat slower is going to cause you to eat a lot lot less calories. And and in the the topic we're talking about as well, stress, um, you know, you're going to be, when you're on your phone or when you're, you know, checking emails or whatever, you're going to be generally having more cortisol in your blood, I would imagine. It kind of makes sense. And there's some interesting studies then as well on uh, on Mediterraneans and the Mediterranean diet and how they have um, a similar issue with obesity and people being overweight, but they have a lot less diabetes. And there's some, I'm sure there's some studies to show that they they find that they have, or I'm not sure if there are studies on this, but there's, there's allegations from from really... Um, you know, intelligent people and, and, and experts who say that it must be to do with the fact that they sit down, they eat their meals with their families, have a glass of wine with their meal. Maybe that helps them unwind a bit. Um, you know, they communicate in the social gatherings and, 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 you know, these, this is a big thing now, right? But the, uh, the social cleansing side of, 
having relationships with people is a massive thing in terms of uh, managing stress and lowering stress levels, communicating. And I know that's something that is going to be a big test for us right now. Um, but that without going off on, on one too much, that's what they find with Mediterraneans. They haven't got the levels of diabetes. So there must be something to do with the stress um, when we're just mindlessly eating uh, in that stress state in front of our computers or when we're on the go, walking around, rushing from meeting to meeting and getting food in while we can. Whereas, you know, the Mediterraneans are sitting down, they're socializing. And obviously there's also lots of other factors which come into it as well. But that's just an example of um, helping you basically not eat as much and, um, you know, um, just unplug in while you eat, essentially. Also, uh, another point is just being aware of, of health foods as well on ingredients. Um, you know, I'm talking about, by the way, all these points are just to help you not eat, tips to help you not eat mindlessly because that's a big thing right now. We're in a more stressed state. As I keep saying, we've got even more food available to us. Uh, we're using it alcohol and food more for escapism. So being aware of um, when, you, when you go do your shopping now, foods which claim to be healthy, like low fat or low sugar or even gluten-free, you know, foods even or any foods which have those labels I just mentioned on or any foods which just claim to be healthy, always second guess these things and go by the ingredients on them as opposed to just just um, believe in what they say, saying they're healthy because most of the time these foods are not healthy. They contain other substitutes like, you know, preservatives or artificial sweeteners and hidden sugars, especially if it's low fat. So don't fall for buying these so-called healthy foods because they're still processed foods and they still tend to make us eat more as opposed to either making a healthy swap and looking for, you know, paleo recipes, for example, or just whole food, um, you know, healthy swaps, which are going to satisfy your sweet tooth, for example, making cakes which are made out of ingredients or just buying cakes in stores, which, um, which have natural whole food ingredients and ideally just don't have loads of ingredients like don't have a list as long as my arm which most of these these so-called healthy foods do tend to have so uh now we're in a situation where we're going to be yes we want to make healthier choices and we want to um, choose healthier foods but choosing the ones which claim to be healthy in the stores like low fat or low sugar or just with the word healthy on them second guess those things and focus on ingredients rather than the claims essentially and that's gonna that's gonna help you uh you know not eat as much and and um you know just be more mindful about the choices you make when you eat really so these are all uh tips to help you you know solve stress eating or comfort eating so I think it was important for me to give the, the those points because a lot of them have helped me. They've helped clients. And more importantly, all those points are, are backed up with the studies. So even if you can take away one or two of those points uh, from this podcast and start applying them now, um, it's very important that you start making changes now, right? This is make or break. As, gr- as grim as that sounds now, the way I look at it is when it comes to, um, you know, staying healthy, not gaining a lot of body fat and a lot of weight, um, you have to be mindful and you have to be disciplined at this point. This is the time you can really, this is going to be a character shaping uh, process for a lot of people. It's going to help you build your character by making these choices, cementing in these healthy habits, 
like even making healthier swaps, like I mentioned then, and trying Kim's lovely paleo banana bread instead of having that that um, ice cream or that cake is a simple is a simple uh, a simple a small win really. Um, but making these choices like unplugging when you eat and not going on your phone when you're eating. Uh, another one I didn't make, sorry, let's just go through the ones I talked about then. Um, you know, being aware and, and separating your hunger from your cravings. When you're sitting there and you're thinking, mm, what do I fancy? I'm hungry. If you were really hungry, um, you would just cook normal food and be happy to eat normal food. You wouldn't be Mm, what do I fancy? And and picking through different things on the menu to eat, right? And from Uber Eats or Deliveroo, whatever it is. So being aware, awareness is a big thing here now when it comes to uh, to, to to stress eating and, and staying healthy and not getting uh, not putting on too much weight through this period. And another big one then, um, which is it's always I would say above all these really is um, is eating more vegetables, adding more volume to your meals. So, you know, vegetables tend to come in big amounts, high volume, but they're low in calories, they're high in fiber, and they're loaded with nutrients. So add more vegetables to your diet without even changing or doing anything else. Be consistent with adding more vegetables, more fiber. No, sorry, as a result of more vegetables, you can have more fiber and, and more volume. And also fruit as well. Um, berries is, is is number one, I would say, out of all fruits. So make sure you try and include berries every day because you're going to get a massive hit of fiber, lots of antioxidants, especially blueberries. Um, but all, you know, fruit's been demonized quite a lot, but fruit is good for you uh, as long as you're not overdoing it. You know, fruits do contain a lot of sugar, which is why I'd say uh, blueberries, cont- uh, berries contain the least amount of sugar, the least amount of calories, and the highest amount of fiber and antioxidants. So I would say make the berries the go-to. Um, but any any fruit is good, and actually, fruit is the number one source of fiber, especially the skin on the fruit. Right, so just add those whole foods, as I always say. If you can take anything away from uh, from this period of time, so uh, and from this podcast in general. So let's talk about stress management. Now, uh, let's let's solve problems because how do we manage our stress as opposed to you know without without drinking more alcohol. And going down the rabbit hole of uh, and, and and basically falling into those bad habits of of drinking more alcohol, eating more shit foods, which most of us are doing, by the way. And uh, like I said, I'm also struggling myself as well. I'm finding that I never snack normally, and what I'm noticing now is um, is that I'm, I'm I wanting to snack sometimes in between meals, and like I said, I'm eating more a lot. Like in the evenings, I'm justifying eating you know two massive amounts of banana bread, for example, with added coconut cream and peanut butter and dark chocolate. And I'm just eating way too much in the evenings, basically. So I'm in the same boat as you. So how do we, how do we solve these problems and how do we, how do we manage the stress? And I guess what I was, I'm going everywhere here, aren't I? But, uh, what I was going to say as well is, um, it's probably stress related why I'm doing that. I am under a bit more stress right now, you know, um, my business is under, under a bit more threat in terms of clients and stuff. And, uh, it's also a good, a good, uh, thing for me right now though as well because as a as a fitness coach and nutrition coach it's uh, it's a good time for me to uh to to start building more content and 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 building more structure for you know to help people because a lot a lot of people are going to gain weight through this period and um they're going to need more help than ever in a few months time uh but not only that look without going too much into that I'm in the same boat and how do we solve it so uh a big thing as I always talk about is 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 movement walking more now, also doing it more frequently to manage your stress, 
Now, um, walking, even for fat loss as well. Let's talk about fat loss. The studies have shown that people who train, for example, people rather than walking for an hour all at once in a day, people who break it up into two 30-minute walks tend to burn more fat, believe it or not. Same goes for training as well. If you were to do a home workout, like I talked about on the last episode, or just use bands and body weight and do some training at home, if you were to split that up into two 20 to 30 minute sessions, rather than doing you know an hour all at once, generally you're going to build more muscle and lose more body fat. It's interesting. It's all the stuff I always talk about when it comes to lifting weights as well. That frequency, that that sending the muscle building signal more often uh, does something. The body responds well to that. So the same goes for walking. Uh, when it comes to fat loss, you'll, you'll lose more fat generally if you uh, break your walks up into, say, I would say three times a day. If you can get outside, depending on where you are in the world, if you can get outside, um, if you're only allowed to go out once, then make the most of it and do a big, long one. But if you can break it up and do three walks a day, that's going to be even better. Yes, for fat loss, but also for, uh, look, it is splitting hairs a bit with the fat loss thing. Generally, just moving more and burning more calories is what's going to contribute to uh you either managing your weights or losing body fat or at least mitigating the damage of the food you're eating. Um, but mental health, doing it more often. You know, studies have shown the benefits of even doing a 20-minute walk a day um, and the correlation between, I think, even doing like 30 minutes of walking a day was related to like a 50% decrease in depression in, in one of the studies done here in Australia. So even if you if you break it up as well, um, it's going to be better for your mental health because you're getting up, you're moving, you're getting the daylights, um, you're getting the blood flow to the brain, you're um, getting the lymphatic system working, which is is really good for your health. You know, you're, you're seeing different humans, hopefully as well, which is something which is really important right now. I know we can't touch and have proper human contact right now, so just by getting out and having eye contact and maybe smiling at the odd person um, makes us feel a lot better. So all of these things add up. So if you can frequently walk more, um, it's going to do you the world of good. And um, in fact, I'll, I'll run through a few little studies on, I, I want to really promote this on this uh, podcast. I need to do a whole podcast on this. Movement is medicine. And it blows me away. I keep saying this on every podcast, but the result, the reason I'm lean, I'm, I'm lean right now, I, you know, I haven't put on any weights throughout this period and I tend to manage my weight pretty well. And yes, that's because my metabolism is roaring because of the muscle mass I've built over the years and lifting weights, but it's mainly from the amount of activity I do. It's mainly just because I do 12,000 steps a day. It's really not rocket science. Walk more, right? Just do it because <laughs> it's, it's an absolute game changer. If you can shoot for over 10,000 steps every day, if you're someone who does less than that, um, you know, aim high. But um, there's, e- there's even studies to show that walking counteracts the effects of uh, weight-promoting genes. So like they, they found, the researchers looked at 32 obesity-promoting genes, uh, and this is in over 12,000 people as well. And they found that um, among the study, the participants who walked briskly for about an hour a day, um, basically, oh, sorry, what, what they found is, so, so obesity-promoting genes um, in over 12,000 people determine how much these genes actually contribute to body weights. And they discovered that among the study participants who walked briskly for about an hour a day, the effects of those genes were cut in half. So those are the th- out of those 32 obesity-promoting genes, those genes were cut in half 
in the participants who walked an hour a day um, more than the other participants, which is crazy. And also, this is a big one now based on what we were talking about with comfort eating and stress eating. I talked about this briefly on a recent podcast in terms of uh, satiety. I talked about ghrelin earlier, uh, which is the hunger hormone. Now, leptin is the satiety hormone. It tells us when we're full. And a recent study was showed that about, a thir- I think it was a 30-minute walk, showed uh, by doing that after eating, and I've talked about this millions of times as well, that's a massive uh, massive habit I've developed is walking after eating really helps digestion, but it also helps with, obviously, calorie burning, um, energy levels, but uh, it mainly helps with satiety as well because it, um, they found that this 30-minute walk reduced the triglyceride levels uh, which is the fats which build up in the blood and increase leptin levels, which is the hormone which tells us we are satisfied after eating. Um, and another study showed that it helps with the sweet tooth walking. So uh, a pair of studies from the University of Exeter found that, Exeter in the UK, found that a 15-minute walk can curb cravings for chocolate and even reduce the amount of chocolate you eat in stressful situations. And the latest research confirms that walking can reduce cravings and intake of a variety of sugary snacks. So get off your ass and walk. If you can't get outside, do it in the house. Put a podcast in, get on your phone, do a FaceTime. Um, This is something I wanted to talk about actually uh, in the minute. Do a FaceTime with family and friends. It's something I need to do more of. Um, But especially through these times, I'm sure a lot of you are doing this anyway now. Uh, I hope you are anyway. Utilizing the apps such as Zoom uh, and doing group chats with mates or just one-on-one calling friends regular. And um, when you do do that, get up and walk in the house and do it. Pace back and forth in the house uh, when you're doing it. So that's a great excuse to burn much more calories and uh, improve your health. When you're chatting to your mates on FaceTime, get off your ass and walk. Uh, also, believe it or not, walking reduces the risk of developing breast cancer, right? So I know I'm going off, off on one a bit here, right? But this is all important stuff you need to know. You need to know the power of walking and you can share this to people as well, to people who you know struggling with their weight. Um, just tell them to walk, walk, walk more. Out of all the things that you can, uh, all the habits you can develop, this is the easiest one because food takes a long time and it takes uh, so much more really and so much more, um, work really, I would say, than just getting up and moving more. Um, walking reduces the risk of developing breast cancer. So researchers found that um, you know this that any kind of physical activity blunts the risk of breast cancer. So an American cancer study uh, found that people who walk seven or more hours a week had a fourteen percent lower risk of breast cancer than those who walk three hours or fewer a week. So you know that's roughly an hour a day again, right? So there we are. That's the sweet spot by the sounds of it. An hour a day. But if you can break it up into, say, two 30-minute walks, ideally, that would be better. Uh, and even if you can do three 30-minute walks, you know, that, that one hour seems to be the sweet spot in terms of all the studies. So make sure you're walking for an hour a day. And that's going to get you towards 10,000 steps anyway, just by doing that one hour. And that's not including all the other movement you're doing to the fridge and back. <laughs> but um, no, nah, you know what I mean. Uh, also, joints as well, obviously, is good for your joints. And, and number one as well, especially right now, is, uh, is immune function. Walking can help protect you during the cold and flu season. Uh, A study of over 1,000 men and women found that those who walked at least 20 minutes per day, um, at least five days a week, had 43% fewer sick days than those who exercised once a week or less. And if they did get sick, it was for shorter duration and their symptoms were milder. Obviously, with studies, you've always got to be a little bit skeptical because there's so many other factors 
which come into play, which they really can't account for, like stuff they're doing outside of the studies, you know, how are they sleeping? What foods are they eating? Uh, what, what's the, what are their relationships like, you know, in terms of their stress levels? How healthy are these people in general, right? But these studies um, are pretty accurate, the way they do them. Um, so the, these particular ones, because it's from a respectable source. So bottom line is, walk more, right? That's going to that's gonna be a game changer right now for stress management. And, uh, you know, as I talked about, you know, the first opening line of this podcast was, is stress, too much stress making us fat and sick? Um, well, if it's going to make us, it's very, it's like I said, it's very much harder for me to sit here and say, right, all the habits I just talked about previously with the food, very, very much harder to implement. And I know a lot of you will be able to do it. You'll be able to uh, make some changes. But um, the, the walking's the easy win. It's the easy win. You know, um, just do it. Just just get up and walk. I'm sure a lot of you are already doing that, listening to this anyway. Um, but if you can just spread that message that, you know, breaking your walking intervals up and doing them throughout the day, getting up and doing stuff in the house even, just just cleaning the house more often and doing the chores. This is a big one for, for, for calorie output and uh, especially um, especially because we're, we're confined indoors is, is doing the shit that you haven't done. It's funny because I'm seeing a lot of people doing this now, especially guys, as I'm walking around and seeing guys clearing out their garages, you know, doing stuff that they should have done years ago, probably. Um, so yeah, stuff you're meant to do around the house that you've put off, you know, uh, especially women listening to this who, um, you know, like to look after their house and, and keep it clean and tidy. Women tend to be better at this than guys, I'm just saying, uh, based on my experience. So get up and do those things you haven't done. Um, get, that's what my girlfriend's been doing. It's been great. Um, you know, getting up and, and doing the stuff around the house that you haven't done and you've put off the calorie output from that, the compound effect of, of continuously doing things around the house are going to be astronomical. And as I mentioned, social support, calling friends and family, uh, when it comes to stress management, this is, this is at the top. And this is where this, there's a reason why they use self-isolation and solitary confinement with prisoners and stuff because it's torture. It's a form of torture. So we need to be aware of that. Look, I know that's an extreme version I mentioned, but you know, this self-isolation is no joke. And if it goes on for like, you know, three to six months, as they're saying in most countries, we need to be having that contact one way or another. And if we're not having the face-to-face interactions, which we're not, and the social gatherings, we need to be doing the Zoom and the FaceTime calls. So calling friends and family, whenever you feel like a bit low or whenever you feel like, you know, you're going to um, eat or, or, you know, stress eat and comfort eating, get up, walk up and down the house to burn more calories and get on the phone to a family or friend uh, and make that a habit because that's going to do you the world of good either way, not to mention if you can use it as a distraction method uh, when it comes to eating out of boredom and just when you're craving some food. And yeah, with that, I guess there's a few more other things I'd like to mention as well. Obviously, good sleep is, is is number one, really. We mentioned that last time, uh, preparing yourself for a good sleep. So there's one thing where a lot of you listening to this might be going, oh, yeah, well, I'm sleeping plenty. I'm getting eight hours a night or whatever. It's not just about the duration. It's about preparing yourself for a good sleep. I've said this millions of times, but, you know, getting the light, turning the lights down before bed and de-stressing and decompressing before you go to bed. I'm not going to stand here and preach from the rooftops because I'm, I'm actually pretty terrible at this uh, lately. I put my blue light blockers on, I turn the lights down, but I'm on my phone and computer till too late doing work or wherever it is. Uh, tonight is, is a Saturday today as we speak. And I'm going to be more strict because my phone locks me out on a Saturday. I've got it set in the settings to lock me out, which is great. 
Um, but that's a game changer, really. When I do it, I feel completely different in terms of my stress, my food choices the next day. So get the uh, pink Himalayan rocks, rock lamps. They're inexpensive. You can buy them online. Uh, get a few of them scattered around the house with the candles and have the low lights two hours, at least two hours before bed and wind yourself down. Even if you can do it a few times a week, um, that's going to work wonders for your stress management. Also meditation, again, I'm not going to preach too much about it because I don't do it myself, but I have done it. I've gone through bouts of doing it and I have, I do implement the breathing techniques I've learned from meditation. It's really not rocket science. I would recommend downloading the app Headspace. Um, I think that's the best app I've used for meditation. Really good, really helped for me uh, for the period of a few months. And it's, I believe, well, at the time it was free anyway. You get about 10 sessions for free, I think. Download the app Headspace. Another good one is Breathe. Uh, meditation has been proven to be probably the best thing when it comes to a, a technique and a practice uh, for reducing stress. I, w- I wouldn't say the best thing next to like exercise and good sleep. They're all going to be fundamental when it comes to um, stress management, but meditation's a big one. And as I said, Headspace was my my favorite app for that. And then just the simple things like the hydration, uh, looking after your gut health by eating plenty of fiber. So get those veggies in, get the whole foods in. Um, also like avocado as well. That's um, it's a, it's a superfood. It's loaded full of fiber and um, and healthy fats, uh, potassium, and all those kind of things. I just wanted to include that because people forget about avocado when I say fruit and veg. Um, so yeah, gut health, we all know that, you know, 80% of the serotonin receptors, as I mentioned on the last episode or the one before, 80% of the serotonin receptors, which are the feel good serotonin is the feel good chemical. Uh, they're located in the gut. So we know how important gut health is for stress management. Um, and also a big one is related to meditation, but breathing. This is something I forget about. And when I do it, when I feel stressed and overwhelmed, which is happening quite a lot lately, I take some deep breaths. I take six deep breaths and it, your, your heart rate is forced to slow down um, and you just feel much less stressed straight away, at least temporarily. So breathing's a big one. If you can just take anything away from, uh, from this when it comes to the breathing and the meditation, take six deep breaths, only take you 30 seconds whenever you get super overwhelmed and stressed. Deep breaths in through the nose, out through the mouth, about five, six seconds per breath. Um, and it really helps. That's, that's something you really want to focus on is, is, you know, we don't think about breathing. We don't even think about breathing. And it's one of the best things you can do to reduce anxiety and stress is just focus your attention on your breathing. And that's what meditation helps with as well. It helps you focus on that and, and being present. Hydration is a big one as well. Obviously, um, don't need me to tell you that, but that's something that people forget about, especially through these times we're eating more and we're mistaken. That's a big one. We mistake hunger for thirst. Drink more water. I know a lot of you listening to this, but probably maybe even drinking a bit less right now because, uh, I don't know, a lot of you listening to this are quite advanced for your fitness and training, actually. But uh, hydration is a big one. So aim for at least two to three liters a day uh, of pure water and then obviously tea and coffee on top of that or whatever. Um, and that's that's a massive one for stress. Obviously, the body's 70% water. So they're the, uh, the, the simple but effective ones, really. And they're, as I always say, they're the big rocks. Forget about the little pebbles and the stuff which doesn't matter and doesn't make a big, big difference. Focus on the big rocks. Exercise, good sleep, nutrition, you know, plenty of movement, which comes under exercise. And obviously, relationships is the next pillar of health. 
Um, so get on the get on the calls and get that social support from friends and family. Connect with your friends and family, and whilst you're doing that, move as well. There we are. That's a that's a that's a win. Uh, and with that, uh, stay tuned for Tuesday because Tuesday I'm going to be uh, releasing an amazing episode with a guest I had on who was actually on the Joe Rogan Experience a few months ago, uh, which is the biggest podcast in the world. And I'm a massive fan of Joe Rogan, and I found out about this guy Ash Dykes through the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. And he is a fellow Welshman, so he's also Welsh. So I had him on the show the other day, and that is going to be live on Tuesday. This guy has broken three world records. He walked the whole length last year. He broke his third world record at the age of 28 or 29, and he walked the whole length of the Yangtze River in China, which is 4,000 miles long. It took him a whole year. It took him a year to do it. And some of the stories he has... And the mindset behind what that guy has achieved is going to be so valuable for you. So make sure you tune in on Tuesday um, to that episode. I won't tell you too much, right? He also broke two other amazing world records. I won't go too much into it, but you have to tune into this episode coming up on Tuesday. And if you could share this episode with people, I forget to mention this, please share this episode or any episode you've uh, benefited from. Please share them with friends and family and uh you know, spread the spread the the love, really, right? Because uh, I want to keep this podcast growing. I want to reach more people. I want to keep having an impact on people, and I can't do that without without my audience. So, thank you very much for listening. Share the episode if you liked it, and you haven't already. Please give me a rating and review on iTunes. And last but not least, uh, if you're looking for online nutrition and fitness coaching, then please drop me an email. The email address is admin at optimizeyourbody, all one word, dot com. That's admin at optimizeyourbody.com. Or you can just send me a direct message on Instagram. And if you're not following me on Instagram, go and follow me at Martin Silver Fitness. So my handle is at Martin Silver Fitness. Have a great day.